We are so glad that you guys are here. Sadly, announcements. Next week is our last SM Summer Nights. Oh, we got no. it. I know, thumbs down, I know. We were really sad, but we've had an incredible summer. Some of them I wasn't able to come to, but others, it was a blast. Next week, next week, shh, next week is Grill and Chill. So if you are hungry or eat dinner before SM night, which I hope most of you do, come hungry because we're going to be grilling hot dogs, hamburgers, and I think Beyond Burgers. So if you're into that, like, be your processed meat. I know, I know some people like that stuff. So all that to say, it is going to be a lot of fun. We'll have Nine Square, like, Cornhole, a bunch of fun yard games. But yeah, that's it on announcements. Shh. I don't know why this fan's here. I don't think it actually works, but it, it was a good clip. All right. Well, tonight, we have been walking through a series this summer on stories, parables, of Jesus. And in that, we've walked through a plethora of one. Last week, Alana talked on the parable of the lost sheep. And in that, we've just walked through a lot of fun ones, ones that I've enjoyed, ones I hopefully you enjoyed. And so tonight, I get to talk on the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. This one, you know, I feel like two people that hopefully you've known if you've listened and learned or done anything in the Bible. They're two big characters that I feel like Jesus uses um, a lot in his uh, parables and also just in the texts. And so tonight we'll be reading Luke 18, verse 9 through 14. And I'm going to read those verses and then we're going to break them down um, and I'll ultimately get to my main points. And so I think Nick has it on the screen. It's going to be in split because... We only have this beautiful TV right here, and with, with, if the whole text is there, it's really small, and, and I know me personally have glasses, so I made it, we cut it in half. So it starts with verse 9, and it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went inside the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But that tax collector standing far... Did I jump? No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I did jump. See, guys, this is... this. I, he goes, I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying... God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at both characters and the differences in their prayers and the differences in their lives and the ultimate meaning behind this parable. And so we first see this Pharisee. We see this Pharisee walk into the temple and pray and what does he pray about? We see it in verse 11. It says, The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax cluster. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And, and in that, we see him praying about how glad he is that he isn't like other people. We see him talking almost as if they were sinners or, or people that have done wrong. Like, I'm so glad that I'm not like those people. They're, they make mistakes, not me. He prays about how he fasts twice a week and how he gives tithes, just not 10%. So typically, 
in church, you would give 10% of your salary to the church. And so he is then exclaiming that he gives more than 10%. He gives more than he needs in that. Um, but from an outside perspective, you'd say, okay, like this guy seems like he's doing things right. You know, he's, 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 he's focused on the Lord. Um, he's giving tithes. He's fasting more than he needs to be in a week. Um, but I think he then misses the big picture. And so now we look at the tax collector. This guy, you would think, the sinner. So we see that this tax collector, tax collector pays a little, di- little differently than the Pharisee. See, we read in verse 13, it says, But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So he, he is standing far off. So he's, he's not like, in, in this time, tax collectors, like I said, I feel like they're always painted as these, the bad people or the things doing bad things. And that's true. A lot of times, tax collectors would take advantage of people. They would take more than they actually needed. They would bamboozle people. They, would just, they were not great people. And so in that, you would not typically find a tax collector in a temple praying. It was uncommon. So he then, in that, felt the need to, to stand far off because he felt unwelcomed in this temple. But in that, we see this tax collector isn't praying about how great the things he's done or how glad he's, he's, he is about not being someone. He's praying to God for grace and mercy. He's acknowledging him, his mistakes as a sinner. And you could sense the deep shame. Like I said, he is, he is standing far off. He, in that, is not even looking up to Christ when he prays. He is, not, he is so shameful for the things that he has done. But in that, he is, he's acknowledging those and acknowledging himself as a sinner. Um, and I think it took a lot of humility to walk into that temple, let alone pray for the, the things that he had done he, as he acknowledged them. And so, like I said, you might be thinking, like I did when I first read this parable, this is pretty straightforward. I feel like it, it has, like, its points, you know, it exclaims what the Pharisee was doing, it exclaims versus the tax collector do. But I think as I broke it down, as I felt like where God was calling me, I felt like God was calling me in really, really cool ways. And so we're going to look at some differences between the prayers and the lifestyles of the Pharisees and the, the one overall similarity that comes with them. And so there's some differences with the Pharisee. One of them, the first one is he's praying about sinners. So we read, and we, I've talked about, he is, he's glad he isn't one. He's talking as if no sin, he could never do any sin. He's, he's a godly man. People, Pharisees were people that people looked up to. They held the Jewish law. They weren't sinning, so they told everyone. They were the people that were really holding everyone accountable. And so in that, he's praying about people. He's, he's praying about these people. He's boastfully praying. See, we, we read that he's exclaiming the things he's done. He's talking about how he gives so much tithe, more than he needs, or that he's fasting more than anyone, um, which, unhealthy, don't fast more than you need to. But all that to say, he, he's doing more than he needs. He's boastfully praying to the Lord. And in that, I feel like both of those two points really bring us to this main point that is the differences between. And he's, he's praying in pride and self-righteousness. He himself, he believes that he himself is the reason for his own salvation. And if you don't know, the, this is a big word. So self-righteousness, the definition of self-righteousness is having or char- being characterized by certainty, especially an unfounded one, that one is totally correct and morally superior. So he, the Pharisee believes that he is doing everything right and he is talking down to people. He is, he's the one talking down to people. And so he's, he's praying in this pride and this self-righteousness. 
And so now let's look at some differences in, in the prayer of the tax collector. And so one that I feel like is the most important because the tax collector's prayer isn't big, but I feel like it packs a big message. And he's praying as a sinner. He's not praying about sinners. He's praying as a sinner. He's acknowledging his sinful nature, his brokenness. And we see that in the humbly praying, in the humbly lifestyle that it is to walk into a temple where he felt out of place, where people were definitely making comments. I mean, you re we read it that the Pharisee is making comments in his prayer. So in that people, there's just a lot of humility that comes with praying and, and, and there's so much judgment that comes with that. Um, so I think that's really, really cool. And one that the, the, the tax collector does is he's, he's humbly praying. And in that, like, like the Pharisee, there's two points that I feel like build into the last one. And, and it's praying in surrender and acknowledgement. See, it builds into the last one, uh, into the last one to be merciful. See, he acknowledges that he is a sinner, um, that there's total surrender and, and acknowledgement that in this, in, it is now his own righteousness is not the thing that is going to save him. It's godly righteousness. And that's the only thing that can resurrect your life. And so now we get to the, I feel like the overarching similarity between both people. And that is whether the Pharisee would like to admit it or not, there is an over, overall similarity between them and their prayers. And that is that they are broken and sinners just like we are. One is broken in pride and self-righteousness and the other in life and in sinful life and a sinful pattern as that being a tax collector. See, growing up as the oldest sibling, I don't know if you guys can relate to this. How many of you guys have siblings and are the oldest of your siblings? I know, I, I, I should have. You guys jumped the question. That's a lot of you that are the oldest of your siblings. And so maybe this story applies to you. And maybe there's moments in your life where you could be like, man, that's true. Shh. Like I said, growing up as the oldest of three siblings, a lot of times I felt this like contractual obligation to like uphold certain things that I couldn't be wrong because I had to set this example for my younger siblings. And even in that, there was a lot of times where I felt like I was right regardless of if someone had questioned me or if I even knew that I was wrong, there was times where I would convince myself that I was right no matter what. And that's, that's not okay. And that's something that I struggle with. And in that, it, it, it definitely caused some, caused some rifts in my siblings' relationships. And so, like I said, the definition of self-righteousness is, is having or being characterized by certainty um, that one is totally correct or moral, moral, morally superior words. And so that is basically what I felt. I felt the self-righteousness that I was better than my siblings, that I was teaching them a lesson. Or even as Christians, we find ourselves feeling like we carry that burden to tell others. And so I was last night talking to my mom. I said, Mom, I feel like I'm trying to find another example. I'm working on this. And she goes, I have a great one, one that was really humbling. And so for those who don't know, my mom is a counselor in town. <laughs> Bailey Doggett, giving her some shout-outs right here. And in that, she was telling me about a story with one of her clients and herself. And in that, my mom had said something that she knew wasn't right. She knew immediately after she said it, she goes, man, like, Ah, I just don't think that was right. I think I was out of place. I think I was wrong. And the person called her out on it. And then just talking to me, I could hear how hard it was for my mom to truly admit that she was wrong. Because she's supposed to be that person that's helping, helping those people with whatever they have, any conversations, all that to say, counseling's great. And in that, 
there was just a lot of things that were happening. And she had to swallow that pill, that pride pill, and acknowledge that she was in the wrong, that not realize that it wasn't her truly speaking this, that it, it was God through her, and that she was in the wrong. And so it, it, it's a humbling thing to, to not live this self-righteous life because we want to be confident in ourselves. We want to be con- confident in all the things we do, but there's a manner in which we can do that. But in that, it's, it's so impactful. Um, it was so impactful to her and even me when I, I took that step and realized how uh, I, I was being self-righteous um, and realized that maybe, like I said, in your lives, you, you can realize that as well. Maybe with your siblings or even as Christians, we can be kind of clicky and maybe self-righteous and we don't ex- include people. And that can even happen here. And so I just acknowledge, I, I encourage you guys this week um, to, to really look at that. And so, like I said, I feel like those examples are perfect segues into really what the, the Pharisee was doing. And so we find, like I said, the same situation. The Pharisee was this modeled citizen. He was Bible-saturated, law-abiding, tithe-giving. He was true to his wife. He was righteous before men. And the Pharisees owned like the best reputation in Israel. They were the Jewish historians of this time. They were the model citizens. They were the ones upholding everyone. They were keeping people accountable. And that was probably a hard concept for them to understand. And see, with all these societal expectations placed on these Pharisees, that it was hard for them to see how self-righteous one might be, blinded by their own own ignorance and self-righteousness, not looking and trusting in God's eternal righteousness, so fixated on holding people accountable for these laws um, and blaming them, blaming others and looking down at others. They weren't truly looking up to Christ. They were so fixated on, on pointing fingers at everyone else. And so when we continually look at other problems, we forget to look within ourselves um, and we miss out on God's calling in our lives. Recently, I had a, a brief conversation with a good friend of mine and I was kind of venting to him about certain situations in my life and how people were frustrating me or situations were frustrating me and I was annoyed and I was trying to figure out how, how I could work on everything. And he kind of stopped me. He stopped me and, the, and, he, and he asked me, he said, what about you? What are you doing to prosper those relationships? What are you doing to better communicate your frustrations with those things? Um, and how are you allowing those situations to affect your life? Um, and, and like the Pharisees and like a lot of us in our lives, we find ourselves easily pointing our fingers to other people, easily blinding ourselves to our own self-righteousness and our, in, our insecurities and, and just quickly pushing it off on other people's. Things. But in that, we miss out, like I said, on what God is trying to say um, in our life. And we miss out on this godly righteousness. Um, and we find ourselves living in this self-righteous nature. So again, I encourage you to swallow this pill, this pride pill. And, and just like the tax collector, live and pray as a, as a sinner, humbly living um, in, in total, complete surrendering and acknowledgement of the brokenness that we have in us. And I think, like I said earlier, this this I feel like this parable really sums itself up. And in verse, in verse 14, we read that. And it says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What a humbling statement. One that we, I feel like is, is obvious. See, self-righteousness leads to suffering. We see the, the Pharisee walking away humbled and, think, and, and not justified in the, in the things and in the, in the acts that he feels are, are his own. 
He's walking away not, not satisfied, not justified, thinking he needs to do more to prove himself to God. But that's not how God works. And so I have one more example I feel like that hopefully can explain and understand what I'm trying to say. But before that, I think we need to continually live. We, if we, Sorry, I jumped again. This is a constantly what I always do. I feel like I'm always jumping. It's funny. All that to say, if we continually live like Pharisees in this blind, blinded, prideful, and self-righteous manner, we find ourselves being humbled. But if we are willing to surrender, acknowledge our sinful doings, we will be exalted in Christ. And so my main point tonight, it's a, I feel like a little bit of alliteration. I really worked the S's here, and I was really proud of it. And it's surrendering to God looks like submission without suppression. Everyone I told that to were like, what the heck does that mean? And I'll tell you. See, when we totally surrender to God like the tax collector and submit to him, then we mustn't shy away from acknowledging our brokenness and our sinful doing. See, if we suppress this simple fact that we are sinners and that we are broken people living in this broken world, we aren't handling our problems. We are hiding them from God. See, this is something that, like, when we live in denial, rather than acknowledging, we, we miss out on what God is doing in our lives. And so I encourage you guys to, to live in the fact that we are sinners, in the fact that we are broken, in the fact that we do make, sen- make mistakes. And so surrender to God looks like submission, with, like submitting to Christ without suppression, without, without acting, shh, come on, guys, without, without suppressing the fact that we are broken, and so now I'm going to get to my last point. I jumped to this one, and I feel like it was kind of important because it was my main point. And so I have this beautiful bowl right here. I don't know if you guys, it's very small. And when I had first saw it, I was like, man, this is going to be a really big bowl. So I'm going to hold off this bowl. And can anyone tell me what you notice about this bowl? It's broken. It's broken, but it's black. It, it's black. it is black. It's a nice color black. It is round. We're telling, we're, we're oh my gosh. There's see some gold. It's empty. There is things empty. All right, all right. That, that was awesome. You guys are awesome. Yes. This is not what I cut my hair. All right, guys, listen up. Listen up. Shh. I know. Examples. They're hard. Shh. All right. Yes. There are gold lines going through this bowl. See, not too long ago, like Hudson said, this bowl was broken. This bowl was in, like, I don't know. Let's count. Like five pieces. So it is not used. Like, it is broken. It is this But just like us as humans, when we surrender to God and submit while suppressing, without suppressing this acknowledgement that we are broken and we are sinners, God is the gold. He is the glue and he puts us together. See, we aren't whole. We aren't able to to pour water in. We have cracks. But with God, we are whole again. So in this, like I said, surrendering to God looks like submission without suppression. We need to Submit to Christ without suppressing the fact that we are sinners and that we are broken. So tonight we had a lot of fun. We ate a lot of fun snacks. We had like, it was like, I think it was like candy fruit salad. Crazy. That is, I feel like I was not expecting that. Candy fruit salad. We played kickball, slip and slide. It was slip and slide kickball. And it was just a lot of fun. But I hope tonight that you can take away this message that God has spoken through me. And that maybe even though it's uncomfortable to accept um, and embrace that we are broken and we are sinners, but saved through Christ, that that, to, that, that that will be an important thing that we take away. And so we learned that the Pharisee prayed to, prayed to sinners. He, he prayed boastfully. He prayed in a prideful and self-righteous manner. We learned that the tax collector prayed as a sinner. He prayed humbly. 
and he prayed in surrender and acknowledgement. We learn that living in self-righteous will only lead us to suffering and that ultimately surrendering to God looks like submission without suppression. And if we don't fully surrender, if we want to truly fully surrender to God, we must submit but acknowledge that we are broken to him. And so that's all I have for you. And nothing crazy long tonight. I feel like it was important but small, and so that's where I wanted. So everyone bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for such a beautiful night, for all the fun we had. But again, I thank you for this opportunity that in the midst of this fun and this summertime that we can come together as a community and learn more about your holy name. Lord, I ask that tonight in small groups that you speak to these students and open their eyes and ears to your calling in their lives. See, I'm grateful for each and every one of them that you've brought tonight for the fun. And I pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen.